Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. We're, I'm beginning a brand new series today talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus was preparing his disciples uh, for his departure. And so he primarily talked about two things in John 14, 15, and 16. First of all, he talked about uh, our authority in him. Praise God, how many of you know that we have authority in Jesus and that we don't have to just get run over by the devil and run over by the world and run over by circumstances, but we can believe God. We have authority in the name of Jesus. And he talked about this all through John 14, 15, and 16. The other thing that he talked about was the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Inevitably, lots of churches today do not talk about our authority as believers. I was not raised in a church that taught on authority. I was raised in a church that maybe God will, maybe God won't. You just don't ever know about God, you know, like lotto God. Pull the lever. If you get three jacks, you win. Uh, but it's not like that. You have something to say about what happens in your life and, and many times even the lives of others. Now, God's given everyone a free will, and he will not override people's free will. So he gives them the power to choose, right? So we have authority. The other thing is, I grew up in a church that, you know, we said we believed in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but in all reality, it was more like the Father, the Son, and the Holy who? We really didn't know a lot about the Holy Spirit and his ministry. My grandparents actually on my mom's side helped start the church that I was in. It was a traditional church. And uh, when we started going, it was a lot of people from our family that started going to Andrew Womack's Bible studies in Lamar, Colorado in 1978. And that radically changed my life, radically changed my parents' life, our family for the good. It was very, very good. However, my church, the church uh, that I grew up in, was not welcoming to that experience. In fact, one Sunday, uh, they said, everybody who believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, you sit where you're at, everybody else stand up and come forward. So they excommunicated the Holy Spirit. Guess what? You do not want to excommunicate the Holy Spirit. Now, this was in Lamar, Colorado. It's a town of about 8,000. Um, that church always ran 75 to 100 people. There were people saved. There were different things that would happen. From that day, that church went straight down. And it went down, and it stayed at 10 to 20 people for years until they got a pastor, and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, he was one of these. They didn't know he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, or they wouldn't have had him. It was about 10 years later. By that time, I was pastoring in Kit Carson, Colorado. He actually had me come and minister at his church and preach. The people were uh, really shocked. But anyway, that church went right back up to 75 to 100 people, and it stayed that way for years. And uh, because you, you need the Holy Spirit. In fact, there's a number of things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives as believers. And I'm going to talk today about the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit in the world. And one thing that the Holy Spirit does in the world, the Holy Spirit convicts us. 
If the Holy Spirit doesn't convict us of our need for Christ, of our need for Jesus, we're never going to be saved. In fact, Jesus said, no man can come to me except my Father which has sent me draw him. We need to be drawn by the Holy Spirit and convicted by the Holy Spirit. One thing I've learned through the years is I am not the Holy Spirit, and I'm not the one who is in charge of convincing people that they need Jesus, convincing people that they need to believe, convincing people of the truth of the gospel. It takes the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit works with us. Praise God. So we're going to talk about that today, how he convicts the world. And I was going to talk about how he leads the church. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 16. Uh, however, I ran out of time in the first service, so I'm just going to talk about how he convicts the world. Now, not only does he convict us, but the Holy Spirit works salvation in our life. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, none of us would be saved. The Bible says that we receive the sanctification of the Spirit through the uh, belief of the truth. We receive salvation through the sanctification of the Spirit and the belief of the truth. Salvation is actually a work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 4, verse 24, God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He was talking to the woman at the well and he said, listen, uh, it's really not about the place that you worship. You know, she said, our fathers say that you, we worship over here. The Jews say you worship over here. What's it about? Jesus said, it's not about the place. It's about the person. And he's come and live in you. And he went on to say, uh, the father is seeking those who would worship him in the spirit. And when you believe on Jesus, you are born of the spirit. In fact, John chapter three, verse three, Jesus said, uh, you must be born again in order to see, to experience the kingdom of God. And as Nicodemus questioned him later, he said, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. You have an outward man and you have an inward man. You have a physical man and you have a spiritual man. So we've got to be born again. So first of all, we're convicted by the Holy Spirit. Then we're born of the Spirit. Salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit produces fruit. In Galatians chapter 5, the scripture says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Against such, there is no law. So the Holy Spirit produces fruit in our life. Beyond that, we can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That is a gift that's available to believers. Jesus said in John 14, verse 17, he said the Holy Spirit is with you, but he shall be in you. And he, he said, and so... As a result of what Jesus did in his death and resurrection, we can be born again. And then he said, the world cannot receive him. You've got to be born again. You've got to believe on Jesus before you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's really interesting. We have Jim Garish here in the service. I love Jim. Jim, why don't you stand up? Jim was a pastor for years, and he pastored a Baptist church, and he just spoke in our uh, he pastored actually several Baptist churches, four or five, uh, but he spoke at our men's fellowship recently, and he was talking about how he was pastoring this church. I've got to tell this story. This is an amazing story, but and I may not quite get it right, but you'll forgive me anyway. But anyway, he was pastoring a church in Denver. 
is a Baptist church, and they had a, a woman in the church, and she had had polio when she was a child. So she was in a wheelchair, and she, her, her, arm, her legs were about the size of her arms, and her husband loved her, and he would you know, put her in the wheelchair and take her places and do. They said she could never have children, but they prayed and believed God, and she had three children. They had a really nice family, but then her husband uh, developed thyroid cancer, and the doctor said, well, really, we can't do anything about this, uh, but, you know, we might try to do surgery and see if we could help you. Some, however, when he went to the hospital, uh, the doctors were there, and Jim was there. He said, I was praying for this man, and uh, the doctor said, there's nothing that you can do. This cancer's went to your brain. It's went to your lungs. And there's nothing that we can do. He said, I was rejoicing because I didn't want the doctors messing up what I was believing God to do. And so he said, we brought, you know, this man came to the church the next Sunday. And he said, we acted according to James chapter 5. And, and we all confessed our sin and we all laid our hands on. And he said, we were praying to a God who we didn't believe performed miracles for a miracle that we knew he was going to do. The doctor said there was no hope. The doctor said that he was going to die. And we prayed, and God healed this man of cancer. God raised him up. He was able to, you know, live to, to have a long, healthy, strong life, live, you know, to be, you know, up in years. He was able to take care of his wife and raise his children and all these wonderful things. How many of you are glad that God sometimes will break out of boxes and break us out of boxes that we thought that we were in. You know, in fact, I was kind of raised, like I said, in church, and we had the Holy Spirit in a box, but God broke us out of that box. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that he broke us out of that box that we were in, and, and he's helped us see things differently. Praise God. And I'm, I'm so glad that I don't see God as just in this one area, but, but there's so many more areas. But the Holy Spirit... Not only does he convict us, does he work salvation in our life, does he produce fruit in our life, but you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and you can receive a personal prayer language. I received, the, I received Christ when I was only eight years old, but I, I received my personal prayer language when I was 14 years old in a Bible study of Andrew Womack's in my aunt's uh, you know, little apartment in Colorado. And it transformed my life. It made my life so much better. Beyond the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there are nine manifestations, nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and they're in operation in the church today. Guess what? We don't control them. They're given by the Holy Spirit. If you're born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have at least one of these nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to talk about the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit in the world. Now, in John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus makes a statement. He says, I tell you the truth. It is expedient. It's very necessary for me to go away. Because he said, if I don't go away, then the Holy Spirit, the comforter, this is the Greek word for the Holy Spirit. It's comforter, or the Greek word actually is parakletos. It means helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, aid, assistant, uh, one who pleads another's case. How many of you are glad the Holy Spirit will plead our case? 
Aaron was recently teaching on the Holy Spirit and how he heard Mark Hankins preaching how he'll get in the pit with you. Hallelujah. And he's actually using Romans chapter 8, verse 26. And when it says in Romans 8, 26, it's talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It says he helps our infirmities. And when you study that in the Greek, it means when you pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit takes hold together with you against your infirmities, against your weaknesses. There are things in life sometimes that are too big for us, you know, but we need the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, when Barbara and I came here to start Cares Christian Center 22 years ago, we had, we had started a church with a group of believers in Kit Carson. We were there for 13 years. But when I came here, when I went to Kit Carson, I said, listen, I can do this. God is with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we, when we came to Colorado Springs, I told Barbara, I said, listen, I can't do this. And if Jesus doesn't help me, we are toast. We are finished. It is over. Hang it up. Go home. Quit. Hallelujah. I said this really. Jesus said in John 15, verse 5, without me, you can do nothing. Now, both of those verses, Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and John 15, 5 are kind of saying the same thing. But when I started out, I, it was, I could do this. I can do this. God is with me. I can do this. <laughs> I came here. I said, listen, I can't do this. If Jesus doesn't help me, I'm toast. I'm finished. We're toast. We just quit. Hang it up. And we had a really slow start. It took us six months of Bible studies and six months of church before we had 40 people. It took us a year of working here in the community to get 40 people. And then another year, it was 100. And then in two more years, it was 200. And it's just been gradual. Somebody asked me, is the church growing? Yeah, it's growing, but it's so subtle. You almost don't know it. See, a year ago, we had 700 chairs in here. It was about this full. Now, and it, the pandemic changed things. A lot of churches have not recovered from the pandemic. Um, I talked to somebody in first service. They said 35 churches close every week, I think, in the, or in the United States of America. It's really sad. The pandemic was hard. But we're just about as full now as we were with 700 chairs. So see, it, it's subtle. You don't realize what's really happening, but it is happening. And God has helped us, and he's blessed us, and he's strengthened us. Today, our building, you know, we, this building is completely paid for. And you know what? It was supernatural. We didn't get this by our strength or power. We got this by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You know, I was preaching we had a building on Elkton that God gave us. After we were here for eight years, God gave us that building, and then it was another year before we built it out, nine years before we moved in. But I, I was over there, uh, and I was preaching in Charlotte, North Carolina on a Wednesday night. I believe it was, it was the first Wednesday night of November 2015. There, there's a pastor there by the name of Dean Mountain. When I got done preaching, he pointed his finger at me and he said, 2016 is your year and God is going to give you a building. It shot through me like fire. I thought, wow, that is amazing. That is the word of the Lord. So I came home. I was sitting in my office three or four weeks later. 
Dr. Doug Weiss walks in my office. He said, I'm going to build a building. I said, where at? Right down the street, about a quarter mile in Elkton. I said, how big? He said, 20,000 square feet. We had 27,000. I said, well, Doug, that's okay. I said, how much is it going to cost? You know, you've got to know how much it's going to cost. He said, about $2 million. I said, well, Doug, by the time you put in the street, buy both lots, put in a government pond, build your building, do the parking lot, it'll cost over $3 million, probably over $3.5 but I said, I've got this building. It's 27,000 square foot. I have a word from God. This building's going to be for sale. If you want it, you can buy it. He walked around for about 10 minutes. He said, that is God, and that's what we're going to do. So we looked. We looked all of the end of 2015 and 2016. We didn't. Every door was closed. Everything we looked into, they said, no church, no church, no church. Guess what? Delay is not denial. So in January of 2017, I told Doug, I said, listen, we didn't get it. Just do whatever you need to do. He said, no, Lawson, it's just been delayed. Hold on, it's coming. Saturday, March 4th, about 1030 in the morning, 2017, Doug emailed me this building on a bank auction. Starting bid, $1.5 million dollars. Now, we had heard about it. They told us it would be over $12 million because they owed 12, over $12 million. We won the auction on March 29th, 30 days after <laughs> it was foreclosed. We won. I got ready to pay everything I could. I got ready to pay six and a quarter million dollars. I had $4.5 million saved, Right? And, and then I could borrow $2 million because we had our other building paid off. So I borrowed $2 million on a line of credit on that one. We couldn't borrow money on this one because it was a bank auction. I didn't show them until the day before this auction closed that I had, I told them $4.5 million, then I showed them I had $2 more million from the bank. Because listen, they know everything about you in those auctions. I learned as a young child at a cow sale, they'll take your shirt off and sell it back to you. Amen. But listen, I knew we were going to get it. And we were actually on vacation. It was spring break. We were visiting our son, Peter, in Southern California, in the town where they were actually running this online auction. So I had my phone, and I was bidding on my phone. And I had, I had Aaron here, because Aaron's done online business, and I had him hardwired on a computer at the church office at Elkton. And I had my son Peter's phone, and I had it connected with the realtor in Denver that was representing the auction. And then I had Barbara's phone just in case anything went wrong. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we bid. They started the bid. We, we, we started out, right? And we had the bid at $2 million and at $2.5 million. Quarter million a pop. $3 million. $3.5 million. $4 million. And we hit the reserve. I said, whoo! So I started commanding all those people to stop in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Glory to God. Then it went 4.5 million, we had the bid. 5 million, we had the bid. And then they started up in at 100,000. Stop in the name of Jesus. Stop in the name of Jesus. Stop in the name of Jesus. I said, use my authority in Jesus. 5.2 million, we had the bid. We won it for 5.4 million. Then it was a $300,000 bank fee. Praise God. And we, so we, we paid $5.7 million. And we walked into this building. Praise God. Hallelujah, it was God. And like I said, we had a line of credit. During the time, Doug, Doug moved his counseling center upstairs. 
right? Somebody came to buy his building. He sold his building to them full price. And we were over there. And then we moved in the downstairs after we built it out. And he moved over to the building on Elkton and bought it. And we walked in here. We, when we moved in, in October of 2018, we owned this cash. Do you know what? That we wouldn't have this building if it wasn't for the work of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. A pastor gave me a word of wisdom. God's going to give you a building. You're going to have to pay something for it. <laughs> and it just shot through me like fire. I thought, man, that is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Aaron has said this. What have you said about preparation meets opportunity? Miracles happen? Success is when preparation meets opportunity. Guess what? We're getting prepared at Caris Christian Center for the next great miracle that God does for us. And I'll tell you it will happen. By the Spirit of God, I'll tell you, we have the Spirit of God, and life is not fair. We have favor. And it's through the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we operate. My life would not be the same without the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This church would not be the same without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? If I was not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you never would have heard of Lawson Purdue. I would be in southeastern Colorado raising horses and feeding cows and farming. Praise God. But you know what? God had another plan. And we all need to know his plan. But it all begins with this thing called conviction, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, very necessary for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. He says in verse 8, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father. And of judgment because the prince of this world, Satan, who is the God of this world, the God of this age, has been judged. So he explains himself. He's going to convict the world of sin. What sin? Specifically, the sin of unbelief. Now, there are three areas of sin, but the first one is unbelief. If you don't believe on Jesus, if you don't receive Jesus as your Savior, He can't do anything about the other sins in your life. You see, in John 3, verse 36, Jesus said, He that believes the Son has life. He that believes not the Son has not life, but the wrath of God abides on him. There are only two kinds of people in this world. There are believers and unbelievers. There are people that know Jesus and people that don't know Jesus. He says the wrath of God abides on him. That word abides is the Greek word meno, and it means it's waiting on him. Romans 2 verse 5, talking about unbelievers, say, says that they are treasuring up wrath against the day of wrath and the righteous judgment of God. That's talking about unbelievers. If they don't believe on Jesus, there is a day of judgment that is waiting. But if you must believe on Jesus, 
If you don't believe on Jesus, if you're not born again, if you don't receive this new life in your spirit, thank God when you believe on Jesus. He that has the Son has life. You've got the very nature of God on the inside of you. In fact, 1 John chapter 2, verse 25 says this. It says, this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says, if any man has not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Verse 10 says, he says, but if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin and the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. And then he says in verse 11, but if the Spirit of him who raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. When you believe on Jesus, the Spirit of Christ comes to live on the inside of you. When you hear the truth of the gospel, that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, that Jesus went to the grave and conquered the devil, and that God raised him from the dead and made him Lord, and you believe that Jesus is Lord, Jesus comes to live in you. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse, 7, uh, verse 17, if any person be in Christ, the same is a new creation. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Specifically, he said, because they believe not in me. The sin of unbelief. There are two other kinds of sin. There are sins of omission. The Bible says, he that sins transgresses the law. 1 John 3, verse 4. For sin is the transgression of the law, overstepping God's law. We've all broken God's law. That's why we all need Jesus. That's why we all... The, the law wasn't made so you could keep it. The law was made to show you that you needed Jesus. Nobody's ever kept God's law except for Jesus. That leads us into the, their sins of omission. Also sins... That's commission, right? You overstepped the law, said thou shalt not, right? And you did, right? There's also sins of omission. James 4 verse 17 says, to the person who knows to do good and does it not, to that person it is sin. Sometimes we know to do good, right? But we don't do it. I'm guilty. That's sin. That's missing the mark. Right? So there's different aspects. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. He also will convict us if we need a little help. Amen? Right? He convicts the world not only of sin, but its primary ministry in the world. The sin of not believing, Jesus explained himself, because they believe not on me. He also convicts us of righteousness, that Jesus is the righteousness of God, and that Jesus makes righteousness or right standing with God available to everyone who believes him. You see, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says this. It says, for God made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made. Notice, God made him. It wasn't what Jesus did. Jesus never sinned. But God made him to become a sin offering for us, that we might be made. It's not what we did. It's who we believe. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In Romans chapter 3, Paul actually talks about this. And he says in Romans chapter 3, in verse 23, he says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace. A lot of people start with verse 23. But verse 24 says, Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God, in verse 25, has set forth to be a propitiation, a payment, a covering, an atoning sacrifice 
through faith in his blood to declare at this time his righteousness. God wants to declare you righteous. When you believe on Jesus, you are declared righteous. Two things happen when you believe on Jesus. Number one, you are accounted righteous. Romans 4 talks about that. The other thing is you are placed in God's account of the righteous. You are a winner in Jesus. So he says this, he declared his righteousness for the remission. That word's talking about the complete forgiveness and pardon of our sins as if they were never committed. So God chooses to forgive us when we believe on Jesus. And he chooses not to remember. Isn't that the good news? You know, I grew up in a Sunday school, and my Sunday school teacher said, God is up in heaven with his big video camera, and when, when you get to heaven, he's going to play it back to you in slow motion. <laughs> you know, that is not the truth. That is a lie. Because the Bible says, the Bible says that God was in Christ, not imputing, not totaling up, not keeping account of our sin. And that's the news that we're to tell the world. Your sins have already been paid for, but you've got to believe on Jesus. If you don't believe on Jesus, judgment is awaiting you. That's what, that's what John 3, verse 36 says. Okay, I preach the Bible. It's not my opinion. It's God's opinion. Amen? So he says, for the remission, the absolute pardon is if they were never committed of sins that are past. I believe they're all past tense in the, in the sense of the cross. Through the forbearance of God. In other words, God knew you would do it and he forgave you anyway. Isn't that good? He says to declare in verse 26, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just. And the only way God could play fair is base everything on Jesus. And whoever believes on Jesus is saved and made righteous. Whoever doesn't believe on Jesus is lost. I like what Andrew Womack has said for years. He said this, who wants to be the best sinner in hell? I would rather be the least saint in heaven, right? The worst saint in heaven than the best sinner in hell. So you got to believe on Jesus, right? And receive him. Now he says, he declares you righteous that he might be just and the justifier of those who believe in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. Can we boast? See, Andrew Womack says this. He says, I've never cussed and never drank coffee. I teach the book of Romans at Karis Bible College. It's my favorite course. It's my favorite book. Amen? But I tell him, Andrew's never cussed, never drank coffee. I don't know what drinking coffee has to do with anything. I say, listen, I've cussed enough for everybody in this room. In fact, I had a student come to me the other day and said, Pastor Lawson, do you realize when you were preaching the other day, you cut? I said, I did. He told me what I said. I said, I didn't take it that way. It was just how we were looking at it. I said, if you understood how a Jewish person looks at taking the name of the Lord in vain, he'd probably think you're cussing. But anyway, I'll try to do better. Okay. <laughs> I was just talking about sin and said, Lord Jesus, help us. I mean, I was kind of passionate when I was saying it. But, but anyway... We need some help. Praise God. And Pastor Lawson still needs some help. Uh, I just didn't see it his way. But anyway, it's all okay. I'll try to do better. But anyway, who can boast? See, because I like to say this. You know, Andrew Womack, maybe he's, he's never cussed or never drank coffee. But 
You know, he might be six feet tall in the realm of righteousness. But Pastor Lawson, he might only be six inches tall in the realm of righteousness. I mean, listen, we grew up, we went to church, we believed Jesus, but we cussed, we smoked, we drank, but we went to church and gave our tithes. <laughs> A tithes raised, okay? Now, hallelujah, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, that began to change, and it began to change in a really positive way. And when I got a revelation of grace, it changed even more. Praise God. So I'm doing better and better, but it's not me, it's Jesus. Praise the Lord. But we can't boast because it's really not about us. So I say, I'm, I might only be six inches tall in the realm of righteousness. Andrew Womack might be six feet tall, but Jesus, he's about 20 million miles tall in the realm of righteousness. And when you put you next to Jesus, you just need Jesus, period. Amen? Doesn't matter how good you are, how bad you are, everybody needs Jesus. That's the gospel. Amen? And Jesus died to save us. Praise the Lord. No matter what state. So Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes. What's he come to do? To convict us of sin, the sin of not believing on Jesus, of righteousness, that Jesus is righteousness, and everyone who believes on him is made righteous. And then he also convicts us that of judgment. And he specifically says that the prince of this world has already been judged. You know, the devil is not what he used to be. Do you know Satan is a defeated foe? Now you look around the world, you see a lot of evidence of the work of the devil. But you know what? God has given us a choice. And when you believe on Jesus, Satan is no longer your master. And he can't make you do anything. In fact, his only real power over believers is deception. So we can break deception Deception, we can walk in the throne. He says, the prince of this world, Satan, has been judged. Now, what did Jesus mean by that? Well, in Colossians 2, verse 14, it says that Jesus blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, and he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, having forgiven us for all trespasses. Then it says in verse 15 that he spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. So what gave Satan power over humanity was sin, right? But Jesus forgave us and paid for our sins. And that's now that we're forgiven, that's what gives us dominion over the devil. And when it says Jesus spoiled principalities and powers, it explains that the Bible explains it in Ephesians 4 verse 8. It says he took captivity captive and gave gifts to men. I literally believe Jesus went to the grave and he conquered the devil and he led a, a parade around hell and he said, I'm the one that's Lord here. You know, Jesus is Lord in heaven. He created all things. Colossians 1 says, by him all things were created by him and for him and they have their consistency. It goes on to say that Jesus not only was Lord in heaven, but he's Lord on the earth. And when Jesus died on the cross, that he died to present us holy and unblameable and unreprovable before his sight. See, that's what happens when you believe on Jesus. It changed the ministry of the Holy Spirit from convicting you of sin, righteousness, and judgment to leading you in the ways and the things of God. You'll find out there's so much to do serving God. You don't have to serve the devil. It's good serving God. It's wonderful serving God. But not only is Lord of heaven, Lord of the earth, but Jesus is Lord of the grave. That's what it says there in Colossians chapter 2. 
Jesus said in Revelation 1, verse 18, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I have the keys of hell and death. I'm here to tell you the devil doesn't have the keys of hell. The devil doesn't have the keys of death. Amen. Jesus has the keys of heaven, of earth, and of the grave. And when you realize that Jesus Christ, the, the resurrected Lord of eternity, has taken up residence on the inside of you, it completely changes the way that you live. And you can't live like a victim anymore, but you can begin to live like the victor. You are like who God made you to be in Christ. Amen? And you begin to understand the greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit to the world is to convict them of sin, specifically the sin of not believing on Jesus, to convict them of righteousness, that Jesus is righteous and that Jesus made right standing with God available to every person who believes on him, and that Satan, the prince of this world, the God of this world, has already been judged. And if you can just see for a moment in time how victorious Jesus is, how much God loves you, how amazing God's plan for you is, and how defeated the devil is, you're not going to serve the devil for one more day. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.